Hello there, fine listeners, and thank you very much for coming back to episode three of our three PhDs in a pod podcast. And if you're a first time listener, welcome. This pod is two PhD students, me and my friend Josh, interviewing a third PhD or postdoc about their life, how they got into science, and a little bit about what they do now. And this time we're interviewing our first postdoc of the series. So Josh, before we go into what we've been doing this week, do you want to explain to the listeners what a postdoc is for anyone who doesn't know? Well, a postdoc is basically a person who, after they finish their PhD, wants to become and um, wants to do some research after the fact. So they'll get some more funding bodies, like work with, work with maybe work with the same supervisor, maybe work with different supervisors, and just get you know a little bit more research done in their area. So yeah, that's basically what a postdoc is. Good summary. Yeah. Cool. That was that was totally on the spot. You, yeah. you ambushed me there for a second. I did put you on the spot, and that was <laughs> very impressed. Yes. I, could always, I, could, I mean, to be fair, the listeners will never know. I could have edited this so there was like five minutes of you researching, yeah, but it yeah. wasn't. It was completely off the cuff. <laughs> well, you could, you well could, done. in the end, you could edit it anyway. When just insert your voice into every bit <laughs> of information that I possibly got wrong. <laughs> a post, a, a postdoc is a person who interviews, <laughs> not a hedgehog. <laughs> 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 Oh man, yeah, those those first three hedgehog takes. I know. Yeah, sorry, I was I wasted so much time with those first three. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, this week we've got uh, Tammy. So Tammy is a Daphne Jackson Research Fellow, returning to research after a break. She's a part-time scientist and a full-time mum. As I said, you know there are different funny bodies out there, different ways of getting money to do research, and Tammy's quite an interesting one because. You know, as, as as I said in the in her intro, it's she's she's taken a break from research, and that can often be kind of a killer to, to to some people's scientific careers. So there are bodies out there that specifically give people funding who have had a research break to try and not lose out on those great scientists that, yeah. for kind of usually pretty tragic region, reasons, have had to take a break from research. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is fantastic, really, when you think mm. about it. Like the more people that are involved in science, the better, and especially oh, you don't yeah. you don't want to lose those people who still have the passion but not necessarily have stayed in in the area for too long so it's good that you know this information's in there if there's anyone who's interested as well completely yeah yeah i like 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 we were saying with the in the rains episode uh quite often picking a phd student can be their passion as much as their actual intellectual kind of you know their grades if you like yeah or their Uh, their knowledge yeah. yeah and so like missing out on those people who are super keen but have had a research break would be a massive loss so it's great that there are kind of pots out there yeah yeah exactly exactly anyway what have you been up to this week josh Uh, not too much just as much as quarantine allows really (laughs) it's been it's i feel like if if you were to ask me what i would do for the past week it'd be very similar to the last two times you've asked me where it's like a lot of reading a lot of a lot of science so what have you read what have i read while continuing to read um the song of ice and fire series which i'm nearing the end of well not the end but the end of what's out there Um, yeah you'll never get to the end of it because that book will never be published it will i swear it will (laughs) how do you know you don't know i don't know well i've i i just i occasionally occasionally look at george R. R. martin and what he says in public and it's 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 always a mix between it's coming out this year, it's coming out next year. It's only one book. It's now three. Um, so, <laughs> I mean, he does have a habit of just publishing books that could be three books. So. Yes, he also does have a habit of publishing work that isn't Game of Thrones. So, 
that's an annoying habit. When I found out, there was news that came out like a couple of weeks ago, uh, like, sorry, a couple of months ago, that he was like writing a video game. And I get the sense that there were a bunch of people who were like really happy about that. And then Omar's like, what are you doing? <laughs> get to work. Finish the series. <laughs> but no, they are excellent books nonetheless. I've gotten to a point with them where I can read them and like they're weirdly comforting. Because I'm so used, you know, when you get so used to a world, you I know, am it's, well aware of that. It's, it's just nice to go back, and they're mm. just they're just nice they're just nice to read in that sense. The actual subject matter, however, not so nice to read. But, yeah, um, they are I, really I feel I feel that exact same way about Warhammer Forty Thousand books. Mm-hmm. Like I know that universe so well. Yes, and it's just so nice because it's there's, you don't need you don't need any introduction. You're just like, okay, I got it. Mm-hmm. Give me the story. Yes. Um, yeah, and it's it's especially Warhammer 40k, which is like the most depressing, dark universe that's possible. But also so much fun, you know, with yeah. all the fascism. And well, the... I, 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 I read, I've watched like a couple like um, summary videos about Warhammer 40k and the war and the different factions and stuff. And it's just laughably depressing, I think. Like some well, that's of the, the point. It's, but it's, it's great because it turns out it's, it's one of those games where whoever you choose to play... You are always the villain. That's the genius oh, yeah. about it. You, no one's a good guy. It's great. <laughs> no, no one. Yeah. Whereas in Game of, Game of Thrones, is also kind of the same thing. Where it's like mm. everyone's kind of a different shade of grey. Um, but no, that if there was a poll quote of mine that was going to be put on a cover of those books, it would be weirdly comforting. <laughs> that would be my poll quote. <laughs> weirdly comforting. Josh Park in 2020. Yes. And or, no, uh, weirdly comforting. And then it'll be some guy. Some guy. Some nice. guy, 2020. Yes, I will be the voice of some guy. Um, but yeah, the voice no. of the people, Josh. That's what you are. <laughs> I am. I am. But um, no, it's um, wonderful, wonderful books to read. I'd highly recommend them if anyone hasn't got on the chance. Um, but yeah. Like me. Like you. Out but of you, choice. You're, yeah, you're not interested. <laughs> it was pushed on me, and I tried reading the first book, and I wasn't that fussed, and then it was pushed on me, and I just... Well, you like Lord of the Rings, and everyone thinks you're going to like Game of Thrones, but it's a literally completely different beast. It, it is. It is. Like, it, it, Game of Thrones is a lot more of a... It's, it's, of course, it's a much darker book, but it's, mm. it's gleaming a lot from... It's, it's taking a lot from history in itself, like mm. its subject matter, and like even specific events um, are sort of taken from history and just the way that people act is very historically based. But it's, it's cool in that sense because it's, it, it's, you know, somewhat educational in a sense because it, it, would, it would lead people to actually go and research this stuff. And it's, yeah, the, it's fact like, that it is, um, the fact that it is based off of a lot of real stuff is cool, but I can see how that could be a turn-off for some people because mm. it would just be depressing. Well, um, I, read, I read The Priory of the Orange Tree uh, by Samantha Shannon. You told me about this book. Several yeah, times. and that was that was based on a lot of mythology, like it had Arthurian legend in it, and it had um, kind of Japanese Chinese history. Yeah, it was really cool and a really kind of nice blend of things. But it was it was that kind of thing of it does make you want to go and research kind of that history. And I'm reading a book at the moment called Black Leopard Red Wolf, which is dark. <laughs> um, 
like it makes Game of Thrones seem like nothing. It, okay, probably not. But it I, ask, I might ask you for details dark. on this book after the fact. That's um. absolutely fine. I'm I'm not going to share them on this podcast. <laughs> uh, this isn't the place. I think I think for the people who come to this podcast for book recommendations, they won't be disappointed at all by what we give them. Um, uh, well, it's, it's it's written by the same same guy who did a brief history of Seven Killings, and it's like um it's a fantasy set in a world that's clearly based off like African culture. Ah, cool. Uh, but kind of very dark aspects of it. Very cool. But it does make you want to look into it, because it's something that's obviously not looked into anywhere near enough. Yes, yes, that's very true. That's very true. Um, but yeah, I was expecting a kind of... When I started, I was expecting a kind of Lord of the Rings-style thing, and it's definitely not that. <laughs> anyway, books yeah. are good. Books are great. Books are great. But People should read as much as they possibly can. There's so much out there. There's so much out there. So much out there. That is the one thing. If you if you want take one thing from this podcast, it's please read more. It's wonderful. Read more and love science. Those are yes. the two things. Those are the two things. Yeah. Yes. Cool. Yeah. Right. So yeah. So as 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 we kind of said in the intro, we've got Tammy, who uh, herself, speaking of books, is a published author. Yes. Yes. Uh, we we managed to squeeze that out of her right at the end. <laughs> um. But yeah, I'll put a link to her book because it sounds like a really cool one. And it's definitely one that I've got on my TBR just to see, you know, what it's what it's about, what it's like. It sounds like an interesting intro to like science. Yeah, yeah, definitely, like definitely. And, science book. and it just adds to the interesting personality that is Tammy as well. Yes, by the fact. She, so... she revealed at the end in a in a shocking twist <laughs> that she uh, is in fact a published author. <laughs> yeah, that I really didn't expect that. I didn't um, expect that. I would have. I would have. If I was her, I would have led with that. But no. Um, I would lead all of my conversations with that. (laughs) Hello, uh, I'm Jack Saunders. I'm a published author. No. (laughs) I I mean, I've not even got a paper out, so I can't even say, uh, hello, I'm Jack. I've published in a journal. So maybe it's just my inferiority complex. No, Jack. You'll you'll get there. We all will. We all will. (laughs) Anyway, Anyway. yeah. Have a listen to the podcast. We really hope you enjoy it. uh, And we hope you enjoy uh, hearing about Tammy's life. Yeah. Yeah, see you guys. Hope you enjoy it. Yeah, see you next week. Tammy, thank you very much for agreeing to come on this new podcast. You're welcome. So as uh, as kind of an opening question, can you tell me about the the work that you do currently at Manchester? So I'm in the School of Materials, in particular the Corrosion Science uh, Division. So um, I put... Uh, inhibitors down on steel to see how they stick and see how they react in different environments. Very cool. Um, So that's from a corrosion perspective so I imagine the the inhibitors that you're using are trying to stop corrosion. That's right yes. Awesome. So how did you get into we'll we'll start with how did you get into science in general so back when you were in uh, high school I suppose why why science um firstly I've always been interested in how stuff works it's just been a, a kind of thing that I've grown up with really wanting to know why and um and then I was doing my GCSE uh, science and um my form tutor who was head of chemistry came up to me and practically told me to do the a level so um, <laughs> <laughs> so so i uh so i did and then i ended up going and doing applied chemistry at the university of portsmouth 
and during that because it was applied chemistry i i i did all sorts of stuff i did environmental science I did pharmaceuticals i did fuels and that sort of thing and part of it was corrosion cool. so um so from then on i you know i came to what was then UMIST uh, to the corrosion department and did my master's and phd oh wow uh, so why portsmouth wow um I like the fact that it was an applied chemistry course. So I had a year in industry halfway through mm. um, and um, and also it wasn't too far from home. So was, ah, right. where are you from? I'm from Berkshire. Bracknell. Uh, I say was um, the applied chemistry course, was it a master's or was it a bachelor's uh, course? It was a bachelor's. It was a bachelor's sandwich course. Right. OK. And then that just included a year with industry with it. Yes, it did. Uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. So, whereabouts did you do your industry? Um, I did it at um, the MOD, actually. And oh, really? oh, wow! Yeah. So, I was in Farnborough and did uh, a year testing fuel samples for the RAF and the Navy to make sure that what they were using was actually fit for purpose. Wow! 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 That's really cool. <laughs> That's very cool. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Whenever someone says so, MOD, um, whenever someone says MOD, I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's, 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 I, I don't know whether, to, I'm very interested and don't know whether to not ask any more questions because yes. you're trying to kill me if you answered them. <laughs> or whether... <laughs> well, I have signed the Digital Secrets Act, but um, is, oh, wow. you know, a lot of it is, uh, is done and dusted now. So it was, it yeah. was, you know, I knew where certain, like, um, people were at any one point in time so I couldn't reveal any of that obviously but right. um, cool yeah okay. that's so, that's quite interesting that's very interesting it's, it's interesting that they give that responsibility to were you a third year at that point or a fourth year yeah yeah third year wow that's that's well well done Tammy for being trustworthy enough to be given that information <laughs> <No>. <laughs> All I was given on my first, on my um, year in industry, was the knowledge of just a bit of science, uh, not the not the knowledge of high high ranking members of the RAF. No, well, it, um, must, it must have been super secret science for the company you worked for, at least. Uh, yeah, let's say that. Yeah, yeah. I did some super, super secret. secret science you work. had to go through like four or five doors to even get. <laughs> yes, get swipe, swipe card doors. Yeah, you have to turn a key at the same time as the the security guard that's there constantly. So yes, let's just say that. Um, yeah, 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 definitely. It was all blacked out. No, um, but yeah, so moving from Berkshire to Portsmouth, why then Manchester? Because that's that's quite a difference. Yeah, I um, the well, in my final year, um, I think most people in their final year do a project of some description. If yeah. you're a scientist, yeah. So I did a a, a corrosion related project, um and um my supervisor for the the year supervisor basically said to me well you can um you can do your phd at oxford or you could go to umist which is far more like you <laughs> so, <laughs> it's like, wasn't quite sure how to take that but um <laughs> but i knew what he meant when i got here in the sense that it was like um it, manchester is a, is a very vibrant happening city you know, hmm. as, and uh, I felt much more comfortable in this um, setting where there were loads of people from all over the world doing the masters that I was on. And yeah. uh, you know, it was it was it was far more 
practical and, and application based than doing a theoretical PhD at Oxford. So um, yeah. that was what got me up here. Very cool. And so then kind of you said you did a master's and then a PhD. How did you go from master's to PhD? What was that decision like? Well, as part of the master's, you do a six month research project. So mm. uh, by the time, I mean, I was pretty convinced that I wanted to do a PhD anyway. Um, but by the time I got to the end of the research project, I was just like, yeah, this is definitely something that I want to do. And yeah. um, and so there was, uh, you know, somebody in the department who had a PhD studentship going. So I took it up. Very good. So just a, a nice match of I want to do this and there's a project available, which is kind of how yes, I, I think mean, a lot of PhDs come about. Yeah, pretty much. It's, you know, you, I, I, I was I was known in the department and, um, you know, there, there was a, a, a new academic with a nice shiny new bit of kit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it, that's the way that's the way you attract students. I know. <laughs> known in the department i know from conversations well you know in general with my friends but also on um you know the podcast um i think it's going to become a running theme where it's it's kind of if, if you're if you're known by some people especially uh you know lecturers then you're in much better chance of getting a phd because they're more likely to choose someone they know um although saying that my my phd supervisor did not know me prior to uh, me coming and saying i want to do a phd with you but it's kind of very much a, a who you know as well as what you know. Oh, completely. I mean, I, you know, I, I, again, I could have gone somewhere else to do my PhD after I'd done my master's, but mm. I just felt that, you know, I'd, I'd started to make friends here. I was, you know, um, I, I was looking towards what would happen after my, after my PhD. Yeah. So, um, so uh, I actually ended up working for a company that was a spin-off from the university, actually, after cool. I finished my PhD. So um, in a consultancy role. But, oh, wow. Um, yeah. So uh, it was it, it was very good to know that apart from being an academic, there was a route, you know, that that you could do that wasn't that wasn't just staying at university. Yeah. So um, so the what was your phd in and um, i put inhibitors on metals and <laughs> um, <laughs> it was it's very very similar to what i do now so um, <laughs> well if you've got something you love to do you know <laughs> um saying so did you have a change in experience between your masters and your phd like was there a change in the enjoyment factor because i know that i enjoyed my masters quite a bit when I did my six month project. Um, and it's a different story when you move on to your PhD. So was, was that the case for you as well? Yeah. I mean, I think you're kind of left to it more when you're PhD, mm -hmm. you're just sort of supposed to sort yourself out really. Yeah. Um, so I kind of, I felt like a little bit like a fish out of water to start with. Cause I think, with the masters, they know that you've got to get everything done in six months. So they're kind of on you a bit more to yeah. to, to get it done. Whereas, you know, when you, you're there going, yeah, I've got three years. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, complacency. 
every PhD is It's harder to keep yourself going, especially when you get to the end of your first year and half of your results haven't worked. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and also the fact of there's because there's a longer span of time you come across more ups and downs in that time as well like you said it's like six months it's like get everything done and so you just feel like you're on a bit of a high really because of all the work you need to get done whereas with a phd there's a lot of downtime uh to deal with as well there's a lot more there's a lot more reading to be done um so you know there's there's either about the subject itself or a particular method that you're using or you know somebody else has done a paper pretty much the same as what you were planning to or and and so you just have to keep on top of it all the time well and there are definitely times when your research feels like it's a bit stuck mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. um and you kind of have to i mean i had to bin about three months worth of data because we just weren't going anywhere with it and it was that was <laughs> How did, you, how, how did you come to that decision because that's i know i've i've come to similar things where you've got to you know get you've just got to say this isn't going anywhere so what was that decision yeah. well it was um because i just i was getting such random results from it that yeah. i couldn't pinpoint any reproducibility yeah so um and then it was getting harder and harder uh, to justify doing what i was doing and um, and it was in an area that my supervisor didn't quite know about as well. It was more of a crossover area with with another couple of academics. So it was it was just a case of well, actually this is this is diverting from the actual um, the actual line of the of the project and it's not working. So um, it was a it was a tough decision to make because obviously you invest loads of time and an effort yeah. effort but so. Yeah, but it had to be made. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it sounds like a, it sounds like it's one of those things where you get to the point and you think, right, this is the right decision, but you never really know whether it was on wasn't. You've just got to hope that you um, that you know, doing a PhD, you know enough about your stuff to say, I think this is the, the wrong avenue to go down. It's having the confidence to do that, I think, as well. In mm. in uh, you know, you, you kind of have to. People say to you that you're the expert in what you're doing, and you never feel like that when you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can say that again. <laughs> yeah. You honestly feel like, is this how all experts feel? <laughs> Are all experts sort of like, do I? Do I really know? <laughs> <laughs> a, a friend gave me a little little fridge magnet once that said, "I know more and more about less and less." So, um, oh God, yeah, that's that's such a true statement. <laughs> <laughs> Going from the PhD then to um, a consultancy role at a startup, was that again like the the PhD where it was the position became available and so you, you know was it traditional you went and interviewed or or I went um, and interviewed actually because I I spent some time being unemployed actually I spent nine months actually really trying hard to get a job and mm. um, I was going so stir crazy at home I actually worked the monsoon for a bit and oh. um, yeah. <laughs> I was just like, I'm so bored, get me out of the house. So, <laughs> so I was applying for jobs and everything while, you know, trying to advise people on fashion. It was a very weird time. Um, <laughs> but it's, you know, but the, the, the position came up and I applied for it. And because there were people there who remembered me from, um, from before, you know, I think it definitely gave me uh, leverage in that role. Yeah. So, um, 
Yeah, it did mean I was given quite a lot of responsibility from the start. Mm. All right. Right. Um, so where did you um, previously know these people from? Um, so some of them had actually um, worked uh, in the uh, department or had done PhDs in the department right. um, themselves. Um, and one of the guys that I ended up working with, um, he actually taught me on a master's course. So it's, um, you know, there's a very, there's very strong links between that company and the university. Yep. I see. Okay, interesting. Cool. So from adv advising about fashion to uh, advising about chemistry, it's quite a, quite a switch. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Except I don't have to suggestive sell anything or try and get them to take that <laughs> card. <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I, I would hate to have to do that. Suggested <laughs> selling is just, oh, but It certainly means you appreciate you know, uh, uh, your job when you, when you get it and you're actually using your brain. You just say, oh, thank goodness. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what was that job like? Because you said you were given quite a lot of responsibility and that's... You know, a lot of responsibility from from being a PhD, where again you have kind of a lot of responsibility, but it sounds like a very different type of responsibility. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I worked as part of a team, so I I wasn't the lead consultant by any mm. stretch. I, you know, so I did have that overarching um, guidance, as it were. So it, it was it was never me that signed off anything, yeah. but. Um, you know, I was testing inhibitors and, and their efficiency in, in simulated um, conditions like oil and gas or uh, chemeng uh, plants. Hmm. And um, we're using uh, basically testing to um, to see whether or not they could run their pipeline the way they wanted to run their pipeline or if they actually had to do something else instead. So. You get some quite good stories coming back from the um, the, the difference between the lab and the oil rig. You know, there's, there's a very big difference. That <laughs> <occurs>. <laughs> I mean, they say Manchester's uh, windy and rainy. I don't quite think it's as windy and rainy as an oil rig. Um. <laughs> well, no. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's hope not. <laughs> um, so how? Yeah, go on, Josh. Saying, um, you said you were working in a team. Um, a lot more. So was that a was that a very different experience from your PhD, where there's a lot more independent working um, in that particular environment? Oh, absolutely. In my PhD, I was the, I was his first student, so he was there was no group or anything to slot into. Right. So, um, I but my my experience in in the consultancy was very much like there was a group of people with different backgrounds trying to answer the same problem mm -hmm. but i ended up feeling that i needed a degree in about six different subjects to, <laughs> <laughs> to try you know i needed chemistry physics material science and chemeng you know, it was just like <laughs> um it, that's what made it tricky actually it made it quite hard work to right. um, to feel like you knew anything because you know you were always trying to put several different hats on that's mm. the that's the challenge with the consultancy based yeah. work being able to switch on a dime in certain cases yeah pretty much yeah and the frustration that you you've given them the answer that they want and you know that you could dig further and find out why but they're they're not bothered they just want to know you know how do i stop it rusting so, yeah. <laughs> I, I i've had a, a little taste uh, in my group of um a, a, you know a tiny bit of consultancy it was literally just doing some uh, like putting some samples on a machine clicking go get the results 
and I found something yeah. quite interesting. Uh, and, I, and I kind of sent, prepped, drafted this really long email, like, oh, it could be this or this. I sent it to my supervisor before it went to the consulting firm. And he was like, no, nah, they're, not, they're not bothered. All they care about is, yes, yes, you do see this thing. Answer, yeah. answer, answer the one question we have. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because, well, yeah. it's, it's, I suppose that's, that's the, the, the money aspect of it, isn't it? They're paying for that answer. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, they're, they're essentially just saying to you, can you fix this? Or can you <laughs> set it up so that I won't need to fix it? <laughs> so, <laughs> so, you know, but when, when you, you say, say to them, oh, well, you know, you really need to service your oil rig, you know, and, and shut it down for a couple of days. And there they're going, what, we do a billion tonnes of oil a day? <laughs> Mm. <laughs> you know shutting this down for a couple of days to do a service is not an option so it's <laughs> like, you're kind of like oh um okay <laughs> let me try and come up with a different route then uh, <laughs> 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 right so so how long did you work at that um the consultancy firm then or the, the spin-off um for 18 months and um, and then i fell pregnant with my little boy so i left and oh. had a three-year career break oh wow so wow that that's quite um that's quite a decision was it was it a spur of the moment like i'm going to stop because i want to spend time with my child or did you plan to take that long or i didn't plan to take that long but um but he he had a few health issues and so did i so we ended up kind of muddling along um and then um you know when he was old enough to start nursery um that was when i started thinking about actually taking some time for myself mm. again yeah i suppose it's one of those things where uh when something like that happens just having a child in general let alone uh, one with ex you know ex extra health issues is it really brings the mind into focus and and shows you what's important and kind of being at work is not necessarily one of those things oh absolutely i mean you know it's it's just um i i certainly never went into parenthood thinking oh well you know i'll just send him off to nursery <laughs> so of course not yeah <laughs> five days a week nine to five you know it just kind of because i felt that i you know um because they, they change so dramatically so quickly mm. you know you can blink and miss it so um i'm certainly very glad that i took that time and yeah. um and you know, it's the reason I work part time now is that you know I don't want to, I don't Lose want him to time. think that his parents aren't around for him. So yeah, well, that's lovely. I'm I'm sure he'll appreciate that. I know, I um, have a lot stronger memories of my mum because when we were when I was very young, she was the one that was around, and my dad was off travelling. So I, I know that if 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 you're both around, like those kinds of memories will very much mean a lot. I hope so. Hope it makes him grounded as a person. And yeah. do you know, I've got another twenty years of working ahead of me, so you know, it's not. Oh <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's no great shakes to take. To take yeah. Uh, time now. <laughs> of course, yeah. <laughs> Oh, just putting it like that, I don't want to think about. Yeah, no. Yeah, no. I know. Let's I just not think a, about retirement age. I just had a flash forward <laughs> there for a second, and <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to speak about it. Um. <laughs> so, um, so how did you, you know, in because you're a postdoc now, so yes, academia in particular, for anyone listening who's not aware, it can feel a lot like 
taking a month break or taking a few weeks off is career suicide. That's what that's what the atmosphere can sometimes make you feel like. So how did you feel trying to come back into it after a period out? Um it was really hard. I um and as you say the science moves quite quickly. So mm. um and it, and there's always um young upstart people who are willing to do you know 70 hours a week for not much money so yeah. you know you can <laughs> you can lose out to those people you know and um but the tide is turning there's a lot more um diversity and inclusion um now that includes people working part-time for family reasons um, mm. or for health reasons or whatever so the tide is changing but i actually applied for a specific grant that brings people back into academia after a break so um it's called the daphne jackson fellowship and um so i wrote a research proposal with the help of my now supervisor and um you know we, we got it through and and now um i'm paid to do part-time work so two-year fellowship so and i'm one year in brilliant i know um yeah you were saying about more more support being there we had um when when our group was you know one or two members big we had a postdoc who um came in and she was doing a similar thing part-time postdocing because she wants to do exactly the same thing spend time with her two children uh, yeah. so there is there is support out there it's really lovely to see yeah. And I, I, I would be very sad if uh, then hadn't given you that because you've given me some really interesting things to think about during my PhD. So <laughs> <laughs> completely selfish there. Um, <laughs> well, I'm glad I've been of use for someone. <laughs> <laughs> but right, lovely. So that's we've kind of spoken about your life in science. So now maybe a little bit about life outside of work. So what do you enjoy doing outside of work? Um, I'm a big reader. I like Ooh. losing myself in a book and um, I like doing mindful activities actually that mm. just sort of de-stress me like so colouring and and um, things and I'm trying to learn how to play the bass guitar. Oh, so, um, good choice, excellent choice. Yeah. Well my son my son's learning to play guitar and my husband can play the guitar so um, I'm just like right so I'm gonna have to get in here somewhere. Um, <laughs> Although my rate of learning is not as good as my son, who seems to be able to pick things up like really quickly. No, it's, it's not tough. annoying at all. It, it's incredible. <laughs> it's incredible when you just see how quickly kids pick things up and you're like, oh my God, what's happened to me? <laughs> I, I, I've done that. I, I, I'm trying to learn. I'm try, I, I tried to learn Italian like a year ago and I was like, none of it's taking, just none of it. But if I was like eight years old, I could take this up in no problem. Um, yeah but yeah it's, it's seeing that it's it's very disheartening sometimes <laughs> so yeah i know um to, to to maybe give you a little bit of courage about the bass guitar when i was learning bass guitar i um was a big fan of my chemical romance uh, <laughs> about my age there um and the, the generation i grew up in but the, the bassist from uh my chemical romance he effectively just played for just just a single note on each for each chord which was just the note of the chord repeatedly for the entire song yeah so it was maybe about four notes a song and that was my <laughs> chemical romance they were a big band so 
I mean, yeah. I'm sure the fact that he was the lead singer's brother had nothing to do with the fact that he was in the band. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, so so bass guitar, I, I love bass guitar, but you don't necessarily have to be the most talented musician. Yeah, it seems to, like, um, it seems like the, most, the most chill part of the band, <laughs> like bass guitar. It's like, yeah, I'll just sit here do the same four things over and over again well, and get well, given that, all the credit. <laughs> that's, what, that's what I like about bass guitar is you can just do that. But then also, if you look at some of the best bands in the world, some of the best musicians tend to be the bassists because mm-hmm. they have to be able to connect the drummer and the guitarist. Yeah, Because you have to be, be yeah. on beat with the, with the drummer and then be in tune with the guitarist yes you said you said you enjoyed reading um so what kind of books do you enjoy reading well um i'm kind of i'm a big fan of um like the narnia books and and some of the stuff that the kids read you know in that you know there's there's so many um i haven't quite got my head around harry potter yet but i probably will but um <laughs> No, so just uh, I like crime, and yes. um, there's a particular author that I like who writes um, about forensic science, and oh, cool. she includes that in her novels and stuff. And so that's that's really nice. Um, and so it's nice it's nice reading it, thinking I know that. <laughs> <laughs> just who's that? Um, uh, Patricia Cornwell. Oh yes, I've heard of her. Yeah, yeah. So she does that, but um, you know, my husband's like, "Is that not really gory?" But <laughs> <laughs> so, um, plus, it's a book. Come yeah. on, I know. Does it count. <laughs> but I've just finished reading the the Tattooist of Altworks. Um, oh right, is that any good? Because I was thinking about buying that myself. Yeah, yeah, it is. You you kind of have to harden yourself to read it, though. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I've never yeah, heard but... of this book. What what what's the premise? Um, so he is um given the job of tattooing the numbers onto prisoners when they come into Auschwitz. Oh, um, Auschwitz. That's um, what you said. Sorry, I thought you said something yes. else. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> um. So he, so he's, he's, uh, and then he, he um, falls in love with somebody who's in the camp, and oh, he talks right. about how they managed to escape, and um, basically uh, live in, um, I think he's in Switzerland for a bit, oh. um, and uh, so yeah, they managed to to actually make it out and uh, build a life with each other but um, it talks about their experiences and things and uh, you know you just they're going (laughs) is it somewhat is it is it it, it, does it have a reputation of being quite historically accurate yeah well they they interviewed him so oh right it's an actual oh right okay yeah yeah sorry right no sorry i didn't i didn't um specify that though but they they interviewed him and um it, it does say that it's based on his story but they've you know probably like made it a bit more like reader yeah yeah. It. yeah yeah so um but it is oh, just cool. you know oh, cool. hard but to read but it's good but yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's a heavy at least it's, yeah at least it's one of those where as you say you can steal yourself before you go into it I know there, yeah. are, there are some books where you start reading and, and I can't remember which book I was reading, but it, it just um, 
went down a really dark turn and I was like, I was not expecting this and I was not ready for this. Um, <laughs> you betrayed me, Buck. Yes, you had a very light-hearted cover. I remember once um, my fiancé and I, we bought a music album because it had a picture of a cartoon whale on the front. And we were like, ah, oh, this will be some, some light-hearted, folky kind of music. And it wasn't. It was... It was quite explicit gangster rap, and I was not <laughs> expecting that at all. Um, so that was that was a shock. But yeah, no, the, um, yeah, I, I'm a big I'm a big reader. I, I love reading. I think it's a really good way, as you say, mindfulness to kind of bring yourself out of the world that you're currently in, kind of put yourself somewhere else. Um, yeah, it just forces you to stay still for a bit, and mm. you know, just you know, lose yourself in a moment. So, um, and you and you can pick it up and put it down you know yep. so it's, it's very sort of right i can read for 20 minutes or i can read for an hour you know it's, yep. it's um and you know i <laughs> i read on my uh, kindle so um if i'm falling asleep in bed i get smacked in the face by the kindle <laughs> 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 so, yeah <laughs> like, right, time for lights out then you know <laughs> so. fantastic well, um, Josh, do you have any any other questions? Um, I'm trying to think of one. I'm saying, with your um, like your interest in reading and stuff, do you find that it actually helps you in your professional life? You know, due to the fact that in academia there is a lot of reading required. Um, so, do you find that actually helps with that? Um, Yes and no. I mean, the thing is with a book is you can you can skim through a paragraph and get the gist of it, and you're all right. But you can't do that with um, academic reading. Yeah. Because yeah. you read a paragraph, and sometimes you have to read it again and again. Mm -hmm. Be like, and what are they saying? Yeah. Because of the way that um, academic writing is, it's very factual. It's very short, sharp kind of. This happened. Right. This happened. This happened. And like, and you just say, go. Oh my goodness! Right. Um, <laughs> sorry what again you know yeah, <laughs> yeah I, think, I think that's 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 one of the things isn't it it's with with literature you you feel it it doesn't necessarily matter if you take all of the like the descriptions or the words in mm -hmm. whereas with yeah. academic right re reading it's very much uh no every single one of these words matters yeah and it's not yeah. necessarily going to be brought up again you'll be expected <laughs> to make sense out of it when we bring it up again in 15 paragraphs yeah. uh, so, I mean, yeah. if, if I'm reading Dickens, I feel the same way. You know, you can't just like skip <laughs> through a paragraph in Dickens. You have to pick it back up again and just go, "What?" Um, so, you know, but um, for that for that reason, I tend to choose novels that, you know, I can I can just go over the flow. You know, yeah. Whereas yeah. academic reading is actually mm. quite a tough thing to do. So, yeah. yeah Although it's, I did. It's not, a it's not a rarity to read a paper three or four times. Like, mm. Oh no, absolutely. So, yeah, yeah. I was like, when when I first heard that that was normal, I was like, oh thank God. I think I I heard something very interesting from my uh, brother's um, girlfriend who is who's done an NGD, uh, and she was saying that her supervisor asked her if she read. And so she responded, she, she said, yeah, of course I read literature all the time. She says, no, no, do you, do you read books? Um, because reading books, being exposed to different people's writing styles, it makes you a better writer. So, so you, I think you learn how not to describe stuff. In, yeah. In, in that I can, I can read a book now and just think, oh, stop waffling. 
<laughs> yes. We get oh, it. Oh, yes. <laughs> I imagine that's why, that's why, you, um, that's why you avoid Dickens. Um, yeah. <laughs> like, what's happening in the story? <laughs> <laughs> yes. You, you mentioned this person and they were on the deathbed. Why have you spent two paragraphs describing the door? I don't care. <laughs> But that's it's it's you learn the the art of context when you yes. read a book like that's mm. that is the key to getting any point across is context. So you learn that very very easily when reading is your hobby. So you know I I I understand that. Um, but yeah, and it makes sense for scientific writing as well by the fact you essentially are a storyteller yourself mm. as well. So it helps in that respect as well. Yeah, yeah. when scientifically you've always got to think about the story you're telling and how it's going to read because yeah. we are we are storytelling creatures mm-hmm. that's how things make sense how things make sense to us really mm-hmm. so yeah right then tammy thank you very very much for coming on and talking with us about basically your life thank you for sharing it was very very interesting i have one last question which is quite fitting given we've talked about books if you were to have to title the inevitable autobiography that will be written of your life what what title would you give it so far obviously uh, as you said you've got 20 at least 20 years worth of, of working yet yet so it could change but so far what would you what, what would you title your autobiography um, how to try your hand at several careers <laughs> I've done consultancy and I've done a bit of teaching and I've written a book and then I so it's just like loads of stuff that I've done that um you know and eventually I was just like no I I need to go back to I need to go back to (laughs) school. Okay, we didn't we completely wiggly line here. (laughs) That's perfect. I I I can't stop now though because you've just said you wrote a book and I must know more. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> um, well, I wrote a book called What Are They On About? which was um, my attempt to try and get science to the masses. Um, it's not sold very well. And um, it's just... Like, <laughs> I blame a publisher on lack of publicity. But anyway, um, <laughs> it's so I talk about everyday things like the environment and medicine and the food we eat and, you know, like, and even included a chapter on critical thinking to try and get people to see past adverts but Mm. um you know so i just like collected these and and, um i didn't put any maths in it i didn't put any chemical equations in it i just described using pictures and and stuff so um perfect wow that's great i didn't i didn't think we'd get a a guest on this podcast who we could uh give some publicity to Yeah, so that was What Are They On About by uh, Tammy Porter. Yeah. Perfect. Right, well, that's, I think that's a perfect place to stop. So thank you very much for joining us, Tammy. And um, You're welcome. And I'll, I'll speak to you soon. Okay. <laughs>